0: Welcome into his frequency. Enter at your own risk. Come be at peace with me, the Paul, Will we rise and don't fall? Welcome back to another episode of Baxter's Buzz. I am your host, Baxter E. Haw. Welcome to my brain. Welcome to my frequency. Enter at your own risk. Now, today I have a special guest with me. Um, she is an actor, a writer, an entrepreneur, a coach, and all sorts of other amazing things um, that we're going to learn about today. I have Tia DeSazure, DeShazer with me. I'm sorry.
1: That's perfect. Tia DeShazer.
0: DeShazer, yes.
1: The way you said it is the way that my grandmother used to say it. She <laughs> struggled with it, and it was her name forever. So, <laughs> so it's all okay.
0: have mercy. Yeah. Way to start the podcast back then. all right, so um we go way back um we went to school together, although we weren't incredibly close, you know, we caught up here recently and um to start to learn more about what you're doing and although I've been kind of seeing things from afar, I just think it's really amazing um and i and I wanted to make sure that we had a conversation on the podcast and just kind of So I can learn more about you selfishly and also just kind of share um, with others some of the cool things that you're doing. So, yeah,
1: I'm excited.
0: Yeah. Um, so so from from afar, following you on social media, I know that you've been doing a lot of acting. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, where did that acting bug come from? And like, what are you like? Yeah. How did how did all that get started?
1: Yeah, um well, I think I always wanted to be an actor or a performer or make people laugh in some way. Like I remember the first time like making someone laugh just by being silly and I, those are like some of my favorite memories growing up. It's just like being silly and making people laugh. And even in high school, I think you know I think people would remember me as like being silly and making people laugh. And I didn't know that like, that was actually the route that I was going to go as an actor, but because I also was, when I started school, I was like, I am dramatic and serious and all of those things and Shakespeare. And then I was, <laughs> <laughs> but but when I started writing, I was like, oh wait, funny, I'm funny, oh, I'm funny. And, I, and then when I started booking commercials, the most of the time i would book the funny commercials um and then uh, the tv stuff too like a lot of it was like funny um stuff which is interesting because well in new york city there's not a ton of f- comedy so it's it's like you know get it to get it, get, it, get it where you can but anyway you asked yeah. where, where i started i think well i first started because there was when i was in elementary school Burndale High School used to get kids to come be in their shows and and to, like, get more people to come. That's how they would sell more tickets, by putting kids in their shows. And so they would just, like, bring kids in from elementary school to audition. And I was like, I want to audition. And so I had my first audition um, for Once Upon a Mattress, and I booked it. (laughs) And um, yeah, and then I was just, I auditioned for everything after that, you know, as I was able to, and my brother began to do it too. And we were both like really into acting and yeah, that's what we both still do today.
0: Well, I was going to ask you, were you following and Thomas's footprints or footsteps or, or did you start?
1: I think I started, I mean, we both would like come home and like, you know, put on skits and stuff but as far as like the first person to audition that was me
0: so okay
1: (laughs) um and then he you know then he got he went to Ferndale you know obviously before me because he's older and he started doing it more and so yeah but I was the first one to audition
0: Mm, I'm gonna make sure I tease him about that
1: (laughs) he might have a different story but I think I was
0: yeah we'll go with yours we'll go with yours um so when we uh, caught up a few weeks ago, you talked about like, yeah, the like the New York sort of acting scene and how, yeah, um, it's yeah. not in vogue to be like funny. And then also yeah. like talk about some of the roles that you audition for that you've been a part of, like in, in this sort of like black woman like. Mm yeah like cut out that they're trying to like fit everybody into
1: totally yeah there's um yeah so i guess uh having graduated uh you know with a degree in musical theater and then coming here and even it's the same in chicago too just like i think theater altogether and new york is a big theater city um it's very like the roles for black women are very serious. And then if you're in musical theater, if you are on stage and you're in a principal role, which I'm, I'm a lead actor. I'm not really like an ensemble dancer or anything like that. Um, you're you're usually going to have something really dramatic and serious happen to you. You're most likely going to die if you're a black woman. You're most likely going to like be beaten up if you're not going to die if you're a black woman on stage, which is like a terrible thing, but I got to see like after role after role that I played the few lead roles for black women on stage. Um, you know, like, you know, ragtime was like my dream role. She gets beat, she gets beaten up and killed you know, in the first act. Um, I just wanted to sing the part. I didn't realize how traumatic it was being. Nobody really prepares you for the trauma either. Like that's another gap in learning. It's like, no one prepares you to deal with the trauma that you have to experience on stage. I digress. But um, there's, um, and then, you know, I played Felicia in Memphis. She gets beaten up (laughs) at the end of the first act. Um, And then, you know, you go through like, Once on this Island uh, is, you know, another one of the famous ones. She dies and turns into a tree. Uh, And even Color Purple, one of the more well-known ones. It's like, it's huge on abuse themes. And so um, I just started to think, you know, like there's not, my brother also was like one of the ones who was like, if I see you get beat up again on stage, I've just had enough. And I sort of realized, you know, that's true. Like, why are we always being beaten, beaten up? Why is it so okay to see black women get beat up on stage? And we also just never see a white woman get beat up on stage. Like I can't really name one off the top of my head where there's a white woman in a musical. Who's like, it's okay to see her get beaten up or she gets beaten up. Like it just doesn't happen. So, um, so yeah, so I started to to, to um, feel that and like be a little tired of that, and that kind of inspired me to start writing my own stories. And you know, because there, while there is truth to the history of abuse and um, lack of care for Black women's bodies, there is so much like laughter and fun and. My experience has been, you know, joy from black women and the black women in my family that I grew up in, they're just some of the funniest people. So once I started writing it, I really was wanting to write, you know, those kinds of stories where, I, where you get to see black women having fun and being funny um, and, you know, being friends and loving each other and not dying and living yeah. lives and loving. Um, and so that's kind of what I focus on in my writing now too
0: um so you talked about um your brother sort of mentioning making mention of of like these roles was it something that you just couldn't see the forest um or were was it yeah. something that you had noticed prior and then and then he brought it up and you went yeah you know i had been thinking about that or had you just been so like focused on yeah. auditioning and you know like Getting roles. I think
1: it's that, yeah. I think it's like you know, you graduate. All you want to do, you spent like four years grind, you know, like grinding this out, and all you want to do is like be on stage. All you want to do is be on stage, and that's I didn't, you know, you're you take what you're given when you're young, and I think it, we're also in a place, you know, in the early two thousands where like you weren't questioning as much as you're questioning now, and I envy some of these people coming out, and some of them that I coach that are like, you know, I coach them career wise and I'm like, I I try to coach them to make decisions, you know, based on their values. And they're like, oh yeah. <laughs> and, and to me, I wasn't thinking about that. I was just like, this is what we have. We have these roles and I'm going to just play them all, you know, I'm going to do my best to play them all. And I wasn't thinking, you know, um, about just how unjust it is, how unjust that system is and how, um, their people weren't writing roles and also like there was a bit of naivety like oh maybe maybe the people all of these white men who are writing these shows just haven't met the right black person to black woman to inspire them to write you know I don't know like I just wasn't thinking about um yeah I just couldn't really see any other way and then you know it wasn't until I you know the world changed too and you start to ask as the world is asking questions about race and inequality and the Me Too movement and all the movements that are, the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, you start to ask questions too, like, hey, maybe I can ask for more. And then, you know, sometimes there (laughs) wasn't, one of the big, one of the biggest turning points, I was understudying this role that's traditionally a white woman plays this role that's another thing. You don't really see like a lot of crossover if a, if a role is traditionally played by a white person. Um, even if it doesn't have to be, it's really, really hard to get in there. Even, you know, I'm a classically trained soprano too. So I sing in the style that most, that you hear most typically white women sing. And so I had booked an understudy role for a, a show. Um, Sweeney Todd and I understudied Joanna, who's like, you know, ingenue, high in the sky. Notes that I hit no problem, right? And every single night she was flat. <laughs> every single night she was flat. And I had to be her understudy and hear this every night. And I was like, and the whole cat, we'd be sitting in the dressing room being like. Like what, what's happening? Like, and some of the the people were like, maybe she just can't hear. And I was like, no, no, no. That would never, people would never be just asking that question. If I had been up on there on that stage, I would be fired if I were flat every night. And this is one of the largest regional theaters in the United States that this is happening at. And she's flat every night and nobody says anything to her. I still get a little, I think I still get a little. Maybe I need to heal still. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody says anything to her. You know, and so I think that was like the, maybe the last straw, understanding that role at that theater and being like, I know that I can sing circles around her. And I know that I have what it takes to play this role. And I'm not able to because I'm because I'm Black and it's traditionally a, a white woman. And um, I, that was the last time that I really like strove, I did a lot of striving for musical theater. I was like, you know what, I'm gonna write. I don't have time to be trying to understudy these white roles. Like I'm gonna write something that I can sing that I can do that people like me can do and not have to die or understudy, you know, these roles forever.
0: Yeah. Well, you're you're talking, and um one of the things I think about is sort of our generation, right? And I'm not saying that you are as old as me, you are you're not, um, but we are. Uh, in these sort of bridge spaces as it relates to like this millennial and like this gen x right and so we come from a different state of mind especially if we have older parents or we've been around older, where we just try to be the best in these roles right whatever this defined you know we're just going to kill it. We're just going to nail it. We're going to just do the best that we yeah. can. And we didn't ask as many questions as the, mo- the true millennials, I would say. Mm-hmm. And damn sure not like the Gen Z's, right? So the, right. the when you talk about coaching, um, th- these people that are younger, they already get it. They already feel empowered where our generation, our age specifically it's kind of some folks teeter on one side of it, like they're more Gen X y. And then some folks are are more, you know, more like the the definition of, of millennials. But I think that we're in that in this weird space where we didn't question as much as we should have. And, and then we kind of look back on, man, why did I why did it take so long for me to feel this way? But like you said, it just that was just really generational, right?
1: Yeah. And I also think that maybe there was, there wasn't the safety around it before. Like, I don't think I would have felt safe in any environment questioning anything that happened in school or, um, when I was on stage, there was no openness. Now my husband goes, you know, he's in rehearsal right now and they have a, they have a, DEI meeting before they really get started so like they're having these we didn't have those discussions when we started rehearsals um and so now it it, things are a lot of different they don't no one was opening the space for you to say anything at at, you know at the best they were telling you that you got here because you were black they Mm. you know like the black people book more because they're tokens all the time and so so I was taught to be just grateful that I'm just to be here you know and so I think a there wasn't that safe space b I believed that I was just I needed to just be grateful and not ask questions and now those were a lot of things that I began to unlearn and so now when I do coach I am like really you know I'm I'm sharing what I learned about like being committed to your values and I do still see a lot of even with Gen Z people with being like, I don't know how much I, what I can ask or do because I don't want to burn a bridge. I don't want to offend people. I don't want to, you know, there's still, still a little that, you know, not feeling safe, but you're, you're right. It is, it is, it is generational for yeah. sure.
0: And, and, you know, I think about it in the corporate setting, right, I've been in the corporate world for years and years, 16, 17 years. And there's a a lot of that, too, where I was the only black salesperson. I was one of two in this large organization. Um, And, yeah, you're kind of looking around going. All right, let me just do the best that I can. And, you know, and there's something to be said for just excelling in your role and, and hoping to sort of break down barriers that way but that's not the only way and and I, I love the fact that there's you know uh it's funny that in, in the performing arts there's like this parallel of just just the the world in general corporate America is seeing it socially we see a lot of it. it's just these conversations are more prevalent and so people are are more empowered to ask those questions and uh, you know obviously it's all for the better yeah Sorry yeah. It's,
1: all, it's There's a, there's big changes. I don't think it's fast enough, but now I'm like faster. Yeah. <laughs> Before I was like, oh, everything's fine. Now I'm like, what? It's faster, faster, you know?
0: So. Yeah. So, so you're looking at all these roles and you're like, all right, I'm tired of getting beat up in these roles. I'm tired of being like, you know, the, 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 you know, turning into a tree, like, you know, <laughs> so you decided you were going to start to write your own um screenplays and Mm -hmm. are most of these like musicals or just uh or what do they call a standard a standard like yeah
1: I haven't written a screenplay yet but I've written I write musicals I write musical theater um so you know musicals made for the stage so um yeah that's so basically I write the lyrics and the words. So I write the libretto. So all every, every word that they say, I, I've written it. So I don't write the music. I do work collaborate with the composer for the music, but I do a lot of like from conception to you know whatever, everything. I write all the words.
0: Yeah. Th- that see, that's a completely different skill set, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I and I actually went to went through a program for it too, um, called BMI. It's a uh, yeah, it's a program for a musical theater workshop where they you know teach you how to do it um, as in their in their standards uh, up to their standards and um, it's they they teach you how to do that and then they you know pair you with the composer that you work with well and that's how I met my composer there. So every through in this program, every every project, you're with a different composer, seeing if you can collaborate with them, and you have to write a song based on some prompt. And so it's it that was a you know the experience I went to to learn how to collaborate, to learn how to write lyrics. and within musical theater, it's very technical because, you know, it's not, it can't be as free as pop music. Whether I love pop music, but in musical theater, you do have to have tech a certain technique because um, pop music is made to be listened to over and over and over and over again, right? You listen to a song and you listen to it again and again. Whereas musicals, you're telling a story and the person has to understand it the first time they hear the song. Like you have to understand everything that happens, So that's why they encourage you to write in perfect rhymes. It's why they um, encourage you to have everything scanned correctly so that it falls easily on your ear so that you don't have to be like, what, what happened? I can't hear I can't hear them. You know, as we do sometimes if when we're listening to Ariana Grande that's a different kind of experience.
0: Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Ariana Grande. Um, (laughs) I. So my natural question, just being, um, just being a fan of music, like, has it inspired you to do any pop music or start to write um, anything aside from, yeah?
1: Yeah, I mean, I love pop music so much. Um, And I did, when I was, (laughs) I wrote a bunch of, like, really moody songs when I was pregnant that are probably going to be, like, if I ever have a pop album, it'll be, like, Solange you know, themed style, like moodiness, but, um, but yeah, no, I haven't. And then I do want to write music sometime. I just have to, you know, dive into that. But right now I feel like my brain works really well being, you know, solely the word conception, the word person. Yeah. Um, and collaborating.
0: So there's a lot of people that are writing ma'am, but there aren't a lot of people that are experiencing some of the success that you are, are having. Right um you have a couple different projects that are upcoming you want to talk about those
1: yeah so I have a children's musical that's um pretty much complete it'll be up in New York City uh in the fall of 2023 it's called The Hula Hoopin Queen and if you've read the book it's a children's book and it's an adaptation of that children's book we made it an hour-long musical and added things and it's fun there's like a little rap in it it's um it's really like it's set in harlem so the all of the music is like the different it's it's multi it's intergenerational so all of the music is like uh every generation it's like there's like hip-hop there's like 90s r&b in it and there's you know like 70s funk So, um, so there it's, it's really fun. It's about this girl who wants to be the best hula hooper on her block. That's just simply what it's about, but she can't because her grandmother's birthday and she has to, you know, make her grandmother's birthday party. So that's what that's, that's coming out soon. And that's like my big debut. It'll be reviewed, reviewed by the New York times and all of that. Um, and then I have a musical that I'm working on with the same composer called the pact and, and uh, there's some exciting things happening that I can't talk about yet with that, but it's um, yes, but but um, that's keep your ears open for the Pact. It's a friendship musical about three friends that come to New York um, at, after having not having seen each other, and it really is like it explores like barriers to intimacy in friendships and how like friendships grow and change and how, you know, you, you, you might have some friends that you were like really good friends with and now you, you, you reunite with them and you're like, wait a minute, are you like conservative now? Or like, what did you How did we, what happened here? Like, and um, so it kind of just explores that and asks the questions about like, uh, how do we remain friends through life's changes? Um, yeah, so that's the one thing. And then I have a song and a song cycle with some pretty big names right now. That's opening in March. Um, so I just have one song in there. It's called The Little Things Lost. And this a song cycle is basically like a, sh- a musical that has songs that just stand alone. So it's not, there's no through line story. So, ev- so every a lot of different composers and lyricists contributed to this song cycle. Along with Stephen Short, Schwartz, who wrote Wicked, um, and uh, Ma who has a show that's going up on Broadway called Paradise Square. So it's, so it's kind of cool. Like, to, you know, in, you know, in the same song cycle as those people it's coming up soon.
0: That, I mean, that's amazing. Do do you think that um, if you were, do you think the, and equity that you were seeing, the, the lack of opportunities kind of sped up like your um, ventures into writing. I imagine you would have yeah. gotten there already, but. Um, yeah,
1: no, I mean, I really don't think that, I really was thinking about this the other day because I if I had come to New York City And like my husband did, like immediately get a Broadway show. He won't, he wouldn't say immediately, but (laughs) you know, I did everything he did. I did everything right. I, you know, I worked my butt off. I learned different styles of singing um, because, you know, as a classically trained black woman, that's not enough. You got to learn, you got to know how to belt and sing gospel, all of the things and jazz and things. So I learned how to do all the things and I still was did not book a Broadway show and I know for sure that if I had I would have never started writing Mm. so in a way I'm like grateful that I never was like oh yeah let me I, I booked this and now I'm content and I don't have to write because writing has like opened up this this whole new world for me where I can I've discovered something too that I'm like good at and like I can influence other black people getting jobs, you know, I can in, have a bigger influence than just like me getting that check every, <laughs> check, but that check every, um, every week. So, um, I know for sure that, um, if I had had immediate success, if I didn't have the things, you know, stacked against me, then I wouldn't have started writing. I just wouldn't have, I never yeah. really wanted to write.
0: Well, I mean that that's a very honest and objective like viewpoint. You know, some people may be like, no, 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 I would have. But I mean, it's it's you know, very like real of you to say, no, I would have just taken that that role. You know, those roles and right and been off to the races. I I think about success a lot. I talk about it. I talk about it on air, off air, and I really think there's something to be said about the. the challenges that we face. Right. And um one of the things I think about a lot, because I'm a big sports person is like um, someone drafted like the number one pick overall versus like being drafted at the the last round. Right. Yeah. You think of someone like in football, there's like seven rounds, right? Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round, right? Most of those guys don't make it. And you just wonder, with the uh the adversity that a lot of these folks have and that they face, it propels them to become who they they become. And they're like, oh, if we if we could redo the draft, we take this one person and you know, and we'd make them number one. But th- you you don't know yeah. if th- if that's if that number one soil, if the soil that they were brought up in would have produced the same fruit had it not been for that adversity, right? And those impediments. For
1: sure. I mean, I had to, and not to just be like, "Oh, I've been through so much, but I had to fight just even to go to school, you know? Like I had Mm -hmm. to like change schools and like find a place for myself. And even when I was in school, I had to find a place for myself as a student and um, deal with so much crap you know that only made me like stronger and to like now when i when i i just expect it you know, which is not good so like because i expected i like know what to expect and i know how to show up and i know how to be like no actually we're asking for this much money for this or like no um um yeah and then i had you know i have my my uh my boundaries too like you know if I'm working for a predominantly white uh institution or I have a commission from them, then I have certain asks. I have certain things that I ask for and certain, you know, things that I won't do or talk about, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Well,
0: I, I think it's um I think it's important the work that you're doing. I think that um I, I hope it's I know you're not the only one, but I also know that. The things that you're doing are open up so many other doors for so many other people. So like just like kudos to you and, and the work that you're doing. Thanks. Yeah. You actually are a co-founder of uh, uh it's called Bold, right? Yes, yeah. It's for African American women in the performing arts. Yes. I, um, I imagine that this is another sort of
1: Yeah, thing for that sure. Can, for sure, so I met my co-founder, we were at an audition for uh, the musical Beautiful that was on Broadway for a long time. And there's, you know, it's about Carol King. And so there's like, I think the Shirelles is the name of the group. Anyway, there was like one black role that they were casting this day. And they had a room of like, I don't know if this is a exaggeration, it was a lot of black women in this room for this one role. And, well, the thing is when black, room, when black women audition together, <laughs> we there's like it's it's the most beautiful thing ever like we're not over here being competitive like we're like you need some lotion on your elbows like this is this is the vibe that you you have when you're in this room together and like people are helping out people with the choreography like nobody is like and it's different when you are in a room auditioning with like white mostly white people like it's it's very like competitive and so my friend and I, we got to, I had someone introduced me to her and she was like, I really want to do something with black women. And we got together and, and I was like, I really want to do something with just like artists, but yes, black women too. You're right. When we're in a room together, it's just changes. Like there's this energy of like support and and just something is happening in there. And so we wanted to bring that out of the audition room and um, create a space for you know, what we needed to meet our needs. And so we had um, our first like big brunch and we invited like every single woman on Broadway, black woman on Broadway, off Broadway, just getting started out and really just asked like, what do you need? And really, they really just need a community. So, I mean, we really needed just community and to to be able to have a space to come together, to talk about things, um, to create spaces for people to write together, Um, And so now it's not just actors in the organization, it's writers, choreographers. And so we, we've been doing so much. We've had, you know, panels, panel discussions we've had, um, we've put on shows, we've put on uh, lots of different, we do so much, like it's so hard. (laughs) We do so many things. We have partnerships with some of the big theaters in town where we really bridge the gap to make sure that not, we're not just like um, being on stages, but being part of like making the art that comes on the stages. So
0: mm.
1: just making sure that like women feel safe in theater. So we work with the union, we work with um, the uh, many other organizations and then we have lots of events and mixers and resources for black women in the performing arts. So that's, that's what Bull does. And, um, it's, it's really impacted a lot of black women and, and people are always telling me that like, they're just so grateful for it too. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: That's awesome. I think about there's this, you know, um, I was watching this comedian recently and they're just talking about, you know, like racism in America and they're like, you know what? I don't think that this group of people here at this brunch is gonna like solve anything, right? So let's, can we just change subjects, right? Was like the premise of the joke, but um, I, I think about the number of conversations that I've had over the years about so many different things and like what we need, right? What, what husbands need, what black people need, what men need, what, you know, whatever, right? You just, you just think about these things and, and you think about the number of, this huge number of conversations and then a small number of like actions that are truly like taken from Mm -hmm. from those conversations that people are having all across the country right
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so like kudos to you again for creating something and sort of like walking the talk I think that's a really really big deal
1: Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it was something, and it also like helped me. (laughs) I feel like, I felt like, yeah, let's do this thing to help all these people. But then I was like, oh wait, I didn't realize how much I needed like to be around black women who do what I do, who get what I do. It it really like just boosted my confidence and self-esteem in a way that I didn't know that I needed because before that, my community of people who were in my industry was mostly white people um, because of where I went to school. I was the only person in my program. So like in, you know, in my program, all of the alumni that I graduated with in my, in musical theater, they were all white. And so I didn't have, and then when I came here, didn't really have the um, community. And so I didn't know that I needed it. And when I got it, I was like, Oh, wait, suddenly I feel much better. Like walking in the room with natural hair and like walking in the room, you know, just me I don't know it just did something for me too that I didn't expect it to do um and then you know as creating that space as a writer to ha- really helped me you know find my voice because you know as I told you that other program as you might guess is a predominantly white institution and that's where I learned all of my technique and all of the good stuff that I appreciate but I also like the storytelling aspect which is very black you know they it doesn't they don't get it you know so having a space to workshop my my musicals where like i don't have to explain like what it is to tie up your hair or like you know what you know just to explain things um i don't have to do that it and sometimes explaining takes away from from the writer's process of getting feedback so um just going Having a safe space to share your ideas and know that the audience that you're writing for is going to also be giving you feedback is super
0: important. Well, and th- there's, there's an audience for it. Yeah. Right, yes. that, 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 that you know that there are people out there that will understand this this reference, that will understand this subtlety, that will understand this undertone without having to spell it out. Um, I, I'm sure it's like,
1: yeah, for sure. There's a um, this one woman who was uh, who was a part of our writing workshop right before the pandemic. She has a show that's actually about the Flint water crisis, um, and it's it was at the Public, which is a, a really great theater. And when she she brought some of her work into our workshop, and she, you know a few years ago before it even went up, and she was like, you know, because like black moms we don't, they don't apologize. They just say, run to the store with me. And so like, you don't, you know, like, you don't, you just get it, you know? So things like that, where like, you, you, you're in a safe space and things like that to share are, are just like, you just get it. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, one of the things that stood out and one, and, and as we sort of wrap up, I want to talk about um, the, the coaching that you're, you're doing but there's just, it's it's like the parallels, like I said, I'm a big sports fan and I look at things that way and I've lived and operated in corporate America and I hear, you know, obviously I'm a somewhat pop culture, you know, so I'm following actors and and you guys' sort of uh, journeys as well. It's just, it's just society, right? And it's, and it's, it's the same themes yeah. in every aspect of society. It's not <laughs> exclusive to one, right. yeah, like one little sliver. It's like, and, it all has and the I, same theme.
1: Totally. And I think that I was a little naive to that because it's like, I am going into the arts, which is supposed to be this like progressive liberal industry. Really not. It's like the same. It's the same America. Like, <laughs> same thing you know even if you're like in this little black box off 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 broadway it's the same stuff (laughs) so um it's true it's true
0: yeah um it's fascinating to me because i'm like listening and i'm just like wow like um it's another space that i'm not familiar with that i'm learning about this like damn it's the same like you know i have a, a friend who's doing a lot of um uh she's fundraising for um, a company and you know going out and pitching to venture capitalists and yeah. the same thing right <laughs> and it was something i wasn't familiar with i'm like, your pitch that people are saying eh, there's just something about the pitch or it's stuff, like they can't put yeah. their finger on you know they can't give them any particular feedback can't give her any feedback why they chose not to invest yeah but there's this common that you know it's like dang you just you can't you can't get away from it you can't get away from it yeah
1: um
0: so you are also because you don't have enough going on you're also a coach right yes (laughs) (laughs) talk about what got you into like coaching and you're you're coaching um actors and writers
1: hmm I, I coach what, I, what we call multi-hyphenate. So a lot of actors will identify themselves as multi-hyphenates, meaning that they do, they're an actor, but they also write or they also produce or they direct or whatever that is. And I'm sure multi-hyphenate works in other industries too, but that's what generally, I coach a lot of people who are like, I'm an actor, but I also wanna do this other thing. And usually a lot of it is writing. Sometimes I also have a producer that I coach um, and like I have a stand up comic that I coach too, who's also an actor. So, um, I got into that because like, because I do so much stuff, people have always been just like asking me, like, how do you get this done? Like, how do you like manage to get things done really easily? And, you know, it's seems like counterintuitive to the artist's brain. Like, you know, you're just waiting for the inspiration to hit you. Like, how do you stay inspired? And so what I, I started mostly coaching on like, you know, Creativity and your flow and how to you know get into a flow and maintain a flow and be productive um, uh, and be inspired and stay inspired. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But I also coach you know on your brand and how to to discover what that is and how to communicate that really well to your team to your audience. And then and then I also realized that people wanted to know like how to get an agent, how to make money, how to ask for more money you know, in an industry where like you are sometimes like negotiating through your agent, your agent doesn't really want to get more money for you, from you, like just how to like have the most impact and influence within your, within your industry. So, so those are the things that I really coach on creativity, your brand and making, leaving an impact. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think I feel like I maybe need to hire you. Um, (laughs) You know, again, there's these common themes. um, And I'm not trying to take away from your coaching business at all. But but I do, I am going to ask you to um, just think about people that are sort of entering in this, this performing arts world. They may have just graduated um they may have you know entered from another avenue and they're just trying to figure things out like what what would be like the first if you could give them like a a card with like just a couple of sentences on it like if that's all that that they had to kind of go by like what would what would be on this card that you would sort of offer to them
1: okay so you're asking for like a like a piece of advice or what to do first
0: whatever you would think that this this (laughs) person okay. to, would be best equipped with
1: okay so i always say like whenever anyone comes to me i always say like get really clear on your brand and then they get scared and they're like eh, i don't know what that means they run away because it, it with in our industry what people think brand is is your type and so we so i i encourage people to get really clear on their brand which to me your brand is the promise that you're you're to your audience when you hire me, you're going to get this, this, and this. So your brand is really like a combination of like who you are, being able to communicate that, which is the hardest part for some people, what you want to do, your values. That's another thing that we forget. Um, And then your strengths, what you're good at. So once you figure out that, then you can begin to communicate your brand. And that will take you like so far, because that's the problem. Sometimes when, when we get with our agents, like that's the people come to me all the time for like, I just don't know what to do with my agent. And I'm like, okay, we got to go back to your brand. It's always comes back to like who you are, because like, if you haven't communicated that to your agent, they're just going to just not know what to do with you and not know why you're not booking. And then you, then they're going to drop you. So, so your brand is the most important thing. and, People are afraid of it because they feel like it's putting on something. But what I teach is that like, it's actually, you need, it's actually what you already are. All of those things that you already do really well, that that's your brand. Um, You don't have to pretend it's something else. And I understand why they do that is because in this, you know, in school and in class, in acting classes and other career coaches, they will tell you like, this is your type. You're going to be, um, the type A woman who is perfect and keep all everything all everything together, or like the bitch, or the um, excuse me, bridge, or the or like or the 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 cop, whatever. And so all of those things are possible for you to be, but they're all like under your brand, right? So that your brand is going to influence what kind of type A person you are. Like your brand is going to influence what kind of cop you play when you mm. when you play this thing. So. Your brain is the most important thing because um, it's, if you don't actually know what you want and know who you are, you're just gonna be just like, you're gonna be lost in this career. (laughs) And I was lost for a long time too. So that's the reason why I coach today too is because I I know what, I remember what that was like, being like, hey, somebody tell me who I am in this industry, please, you know? Um, But you have to be the one to decide that.
0: That is so good. Like it's so it's so good, man. It's like it's like we need another hour to just like unpack that, because, um, again, from from a corporate from a sales standpoint specifically, it's like, um, it's like okay, what's your elevator pitch, right? Like what's like what do you do, or what service do you provide, or what are you selling? And it's like, in these consultative roles, it's like, well, we can we can do this. This, this and this and you're basically saying we can do everything but right if you you can't do everything
1: right and so that's exactly right because we think that this and this is the huge thing with actors too because they think that they're an actor and they can play you need to have range and can play all of the roles that is not that's not going to serve you maybe that's true for you <laughs> I don't really know but we don't know any we know that when we see Viola Davis we're going to get a certain kind of performance we're going to see usually drama we're going to see her being super vulnerable we're going to see her having emotional moments that's that's who she is that's her brand and so but that's that doesn't say that she can't be funny but her funny is going to come from an emotional place it's going to be like a very vulnerable funny um and so I think people get really like scared about like wanting to do all the things, but the more you narrow in and explain to people what that is, like the better they're going to understand you and know what to do with you. And you're saying the same thing with like corporate America. It's like, people just need to know what you do really well, you know, and they don't want to know that you can do 50 million things. They want to know that you can do this one thing really, really well. And like, and hire you for that right is
0: that what you're saying no absolutely I, I I think about um like again back back to sports like I think about and this is something that I had to ask myself over and over again and that I'm constantly asking myself it's like okay games on the line right there's 10 seconds left on the clock you got the ball what is your bread and butter what is the one thing that you can hang your hat on that you're willing to bet that you're going to, you're going to win this game with, or you're willing to lose this game with, Mm -hmm. right? What's the one thing or one skill that you feel like you can sort of hang your hat on. And I think that if you can figure that piece out, which ain't always easy, right. But if you can figure that out, then you may fit you you're not really narrowing your options but you're really narrowing like you're really putting more energy into like the right area
1: yeah for sure yeah. for sure and then it's like it's okay to also do the thing that's really easy for you too like to, to own that you know for me like I, I always say like my brand is like the type a like little bit neurotic like woman who has like a million different things and is keeping them all together but maybe she has like a really messy closet, you know, there's that nuance too. So like, that's, that's what I consider to be like my brand. And so that means I can play, it gives you so much range, but everything is going to come from that. Um, And yeah. And then you want to know what you can do at the top of, you know, at the drop of a hat when needed, you know, and that's only going to make you stronger. Even if it's like comes easy to you, it's like, it's important. People need that, you know,
0: and, and, and the, the strength and the confidence to say no thank you not a good thing yes, yes.
1: absolutely oh my gosh
0: yes yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I was I had auditioned for um a friend of mine and he was really trying to like make it work for me to be like this like really like New York person that was you know like very like you know a little bit grittier than I am and I was like really trying but then I was just like this isn't my role like I know that you really want me to do this but like this ain't working like you know
0: um
1: but yeah you just have to you do have to know when you're like
0: yeah last week I had to um decline to to work with um a potential potential client which you know Mm -hmm. You don't want to ever turn any money away or any business away, right? but it just sure. it wasn't a it wasn't a good fit. And um you know, it took a, a more confident, more seasoned me to say, mm-hmm. you know what, I think you should pursue like another broker. Uh, right. this this probably isn't gonna work out okay. we're, you know we're, yeah. we're gonna yeah. And so um it comes with 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 wisdom maturity and then yeah just the understanding of what of what you do well because you don't want to get your put yourself in that role where you're this gritty new york person and and then you fall flat on your face because right yeah because it does anybody it does nobody in good
1: right and then so it's funny because like that was a that was like a detective role and he kept being like she's you know she's very new york and she's gritty and you know whatever. And I was just like, I was doing, doing the read and doing it again and again. And I was like, eh, I'm not getting it. But then last week I shot law and order as a cop, you know, maybe this, maybe my cop is like a little bit classy. I don't know. Like, you know, why did I book this cop and not the other cop? This is a cop that was more like me, you know, right. and talked really fast and like was able to, you know, um, uh, to, to like to to be very observant, you know, like there's always something about me that's in every role, but like it's gonna be, you know, different.
0: I hope yeah. that makes sense. You know? No, oh, it, it it probably makes way too much sense to me. Um because <laughs> so I, I think about it like this. And you may be like Baxter, so you don't get it at all. But I think about like the value piece, the the brand piece that you're talking about, the this integrity, this, this like, okay, here. Here I am at, at, at my core. And if you can see a piece of you in a character, then mm-hmm. you can make it, you can make it your own, right? You can kind of yeah. get in, inside of that, right?
1: Yeah, totally. But, yeah. And it's also yes, go ahead.
0: But if 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 the director doesn't see what you see. You can't make them. You can't make them see it, right?
1: Right. If they're saying, if they're saying words that are like not clicking with me, and I mean, and I and I, I pride myself in taking direction really well. But if you're saying something that's like, hmm, okay, let me try it like that. I'll try it like this. I'm always willing to try it. But if it's if it's something that's not clicking, then it doesn't click. Like, but when I was on set for Law and Order last week, she was like, "You're showing him the crime scene." and you really care. And I was like, oh great, I care. And I'm talking fast. Like that's what I do really well too. Like I'm great with jargon really fast. So like that's, this is me. And, and like that made the scene like pop to me when that's the only direction she had to give me and it was fine, you know? So, so that's something that like I can connect with like really being concerned about this missing person like and wanting to figure it out. So like that drive to like wanting to figure something out like that's something that I connect with too.
0: Well, I can't wait. I can't wait to see the episode of Law and Order. Um, but but I think about this 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 advice being able to to apply it to whatever someone is starting or whether someone's restarting or reassessing. Um, figure out this 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 why right. Figure out who you are and. The more you sort of let go, the more opportunities are going to open themselves up. You're not, you're not mm-hmm. limiting yourself. Limiting you're yourself. really
1: exactly
0: you're really just opening yourself up for more of the stuff that That's is exactly in line. Right
1: oh yeah. yes, it's so true because I coached, it's funny because I, I one of my clients, I'm be really quick, but one of my clients, no, you're she, fine. <laughs> she just did this concert for herself. She'd been saying she was gonna do a concert for a year. And I knew that something was like, blocking her and so she finally did this concert she produced it and she she like bought an event space to like as a side hustle she produced this concert and put it on a couple weeks ago virtual virtually and like after it she was like I don't think that I want to be a performer anymore and I was like oh interesting and she was like but I got so many jobs from my show like people want me to produce their show and so I was like that's so amazing like you you stood you you knew that you needed to do this show and even though you decided after the show that you didn't want to perform anymore like it still brought out something that you're really really good at and you were like the producer you're the 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 person that brings things visions to life and you discovered that in that time and that just gives you even more like Insight into who you are and like as an artist because you're still an artist, but for sure, in a different way. So,
0: for sure, no, that's, that's good. Cool story
1: of this week of like a win that happened this week that I was like, Oh, that's a- amazing. Of course, I want everyone to keep performing, but like, you know, this is her new endeavor. So,
0: no, that's, that's awesome. It reminds me of um, a friend of mine, uh, Tanisha Johnson, who I had on the podcast, and she said, You know, find your lane and then burn rubber in. Yeah. Right. So um that's cool. No, and, and yeah, yeah, I had never heard that, but it made made so much sense. Um man, this was really good.
1: Oh, yes, it was so fun. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I know we could probably go on for another hour, (laughs) but uh, you clearly have a number of things you have to get back to, right? Uh, We listed some of them up earlier. Um, So to everyone that watching this. Thank you. Um, I hope that this was as informative and as inspiring uh, to you as it was from for me. Um, On behalf of Tia, I am Baxter E. Um, And I just want to let everyone know that you are capable. Um, You just have to find and embrace your own frequency. So um, until next time, peace. Welcome into his frequency. enter at your own risk. Come be at peace with me, ask the call where we rise and don't fall.